All right, we're back, Creative Club Podcast. You're here with John Marsh. Today, we've got a conversation with Ryan Altman from The Supreme Yoga. And Ryan is a meditation teacher, meditation mentor. He works with people in a one-to-one setting, guides them through the process of developing their own lifelong meditation practice. And Ryan also runs workshops as well. So in this conversation, we talk a lot about meditation, which is really cool, but also tie it back into business specifically. One of the things that we're really big on in Creator Club is the power of the mind. We believe that the mind is the greatest asset that you have in your business. And so we circle back around to that. We talk about a few different things that come up. For a lot of business owners, as they start to grow the business and sort of obstacles, I guess, that show up in the mind, and we talk to Ryan about these things as well. So I hope you enjoy this one. Let's dive into the conversation. You're here with John Marsh. This is the Creative Club Podcast. And today we're speaking with Ryan Altman from The Supreme Yoga. For me, it started back, you know, when I was younger, just sort of questioning, wondering, you know, who am I? What is this world? I was always a philosophically and inquiring minded person. So I just, yeah, I was always curious. And that took me to uh, study philosophy. And throughout my life, I uh, kind of, I studied a little bit um, of uh, philosophy of mind and philosophy of consciousness. And through that, I found out that, you know, it's really consciousness that is most interesting to me and most close to who we are as, you know, our essential nature or who we are as human beings. So I, yeah, I studied philosophy of mind and consciousness, but from studying that in university, I found that um, science and objective descriptions can't really describe what consciousness is because consciousness is a subjective phenomenon. So we can understand certain things about consciousness through science and, um, you know, uh, scientific inquiry, but really it's a subjective phenomenon. So that's when I started looking into more um, contemplative traditions like Buddhism and uh, uh, Hinduism, Advaita Vedanta, meditation. How old were you when you started to get into it more seriously? Uh, I, w- I started my meditation practice probably around the age of 21. And then I got my first, uh, I sought out my first teacher around the age of 22. When you talk about the finding a teacher and sort of going that path, because a lot of people listening, w- you know, will have tried different types of meditation and mm-hmm. through different avenues. I'm sure we can talk about this later, but what do you think led you into like, I'm going to go this road, I'm going to find a, a teacher and find the lineage versus like, you know, finding an app, say, or, or going mm. sort of the way that probably is a little bit easier today. Was that just obvious to you? Were you exposed to someone or did somebody sort of point you in that direction? Mm, yeah. So I... I guess I had a lot of um, research that I did before I picked the tradition that I wanted to follow or do, because it did come to this kind of understanding that I was seeking for awakening or enlightenment. It really came after reading the, the Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. I was always kind of seeking and, you know, I found that Western philosophy didn't have the answers. So I started looking into existentialism and ways of being and then finally found spirituality and through you know that book specifically and in the book you know they talk about the need for a teacher and um also just through my own research at you know if you really want to learn something and life experience if you really want to learn something you go to a teacher and especially with these you know traditions they offer 
you know, uh, insights and uh, teachings, and also the teacher himself is a carrier of of a state of consciousness that mm-hmm. you want to have. So if mm-hmm. you want to attain their state of consciousness, then you you study next to them, you be close to them. It's like being next to a fire or a light. When you're next to them, your own uh, um, life is illuminated, and then eventually um, enlightened through their their association. Yeah, that's very that's very powerful. I think that comes up a lot in, I've seen that a lot firsthand in training, like in physical stuff, like literally just almost trying to live with almost live, like living next door to the person. Yeah. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about that in sales too, where you can teach, you know, we have the vision-based selling framework kind of thing that we teach people, Yeah. but often I'll joke with someone. I'm like, you know what? Like you should, you should just close everything down and like, come up here for a week and basically like live here and let's go around and we'll practice talking to people and we'll practice. Mm-hmm. And you get that uh, thing where it's hard to teach it through a framework, but when you're right next to someone, you can almost embody, almost like osmosis, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an exchange when you're in the presence of someone or near someone that allow, and even if it's over, you know, over communication through the internet as well, but if you're close in contact with them there's a, an exchange of information and learning that isn't as possible through any other means you know it is possible in some ways through a book or an app or uh, you know other other forms of educational learning but being close to a teacher i think is the best way to learn something so just before we move forward when you got into the meditation seriously you found a teacher with their particular pain points or things coming up in your life that were driving you to some sort of reprieve or, or, you know, like some sort of solution, or was it purely an interest? Like you mentioned earlier, you're interested in this, that sort of the meaning and, and this kind of thing. Did you have things going on in your life? You're like, you know, looking back, like a lot of stress or family stuff, or were there things that you in hindsight, realize you were moving away from or was it mostly just kind of out of interest oh there was definitely suffering right as human beings we're all kind of carrying our own crosses so to speak so i had my own my own things for me it was really um uh, I, I i had diagnosis of bipolar disorder when i was a kid and add and you know just a little bit of conflict in my family as a kid my family was very loving but there was just you know obviously uh, family dynamics for any anyone is going to be challenging. So just, you know, all of those things, especially the, I was always just kind of a sensitive person. My emotions were always difficult for me to control. So I was always swinging back and forth between super happy and manic, and then, you know, very depressed and, you know, dejected and just feeling completely worthless. So the, you know, those swings were very difficult to deal with. And, you know, through meditation and through my spiritual practices, you know, I I was prescribed medication, I saw psychologists, psychiatrists, but, you know, through my meditation, through my spiritual practice, I was able to overcome all of those kind of emotional challenges uh, that that, that are, came from my early, early kind of uh, mental illness or uh, emotional disorders. Yeah. And then when you started to study with the teacher, what was there a moment where you started to see a, you know, like a, a I hate to break it down this way, but like a return yeah. on investment kind of thing yeah, in yeah. terms of like, oh, wow, this is working, right? Like a feedback, you know, from, mm-hmm. from the whole practice. 
where you knew, okay, this is something for life and this is how I want to help people or this is my direction? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's quite a few moments in uh, the traditions that I come from. They're kind of different practices that we do. Some are more knowledge-based practices. So reading and studying scripture and contemplation and then meditation itself, sitting and meditating. And then um, for me, also service, karma yoga, as it's called. That was probably for me the biggest sign of return. And that wasn't actually something that my teacher encouraged me to do. My teacher did do his own service. He actually helped um uh he helped uh stray and homeless cats that was kind of the way that he gave back and so for me i just sought out serving my community and nearby in a um, skilled nurse nursing facility and uh, through that i was able to just i experienced so much joy from just serving and giving back and um just being present for people who were in need of help or just uh someone to listen to them and you know, the, the meditation results were there too. It did, you know, come after maybe uh, a month or two for the meditation, but for volunteering and service, it was right away. Um, it was instant feedback and feeling better and just, yeah, joy and happiness. Mm, I like that. And then when did you talk us through the kind of the next phase? Because I know you had a lot of deeper retreats and different teachers and kind of went deep for quite a while to kind of bring us up to speed with where you are now at the mentoring and, and how that sort of unfolded. Yeah. So I eventually moved from Arizona where I was living to Thailand. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey to go deeper, to explore myself in the world and also within myself as well. And that was when I, you know, I was always disciplined with my, my meditation practice or sadhana, but that was when really when I started to dive in. And um, so, yeah, I lived for two years in Thailand and I did some, you know, uh, uh, retreats, 10 day hardcore Buddhist Theravada retreats in Thailand. And yeah. Um, so any of the, any of the ones where they don't let you sleep? Like no, no, fortunately not that. Have um, you heard of those? Yeah. Yeah. That I have, um, I think those are more in the, uh, the Burmese tradition and the right. Thai forest tradition. Thai forest. They, yeah. Yeah. They're more into the sleep on the concrete bed with a wooden pillow and wake up at four, but yeah, you get a little bit of sleep shower with a cold bucket, you know, so it was intense. Um, there's yeah. very little pleasure or comfort. Um, but, uh, aside from all of that, you know, also exploring and traveling and meeting new people and, um, so there was a really beautiful kind of expansion, but I also, so living in Thailand, I got kind of uh, involved in the, the party scenes and there was some addiction that came up. So I had to kind of overcome that as well. So getting more insight into myself through that. And then eventually I moved into Abu Dhabi where was, uh, and I lived there for seven years. And the reason I lived there was because it was close to my teacher who was living in India. His name's Rajiv Kapoor. And so I would spend, you know, you know, any free vacation or holiday that I got teaching at the school I was at to come to India and study with him. And that was where I really had a very, very disciplined practice where I would meditate two or three times a day for at least two hours every day for about seven years. And, you know, I've still continued that practice, but, you know, like anything, take it easy, right? So you learn to ebb and flow. And mm. then eventually I moved to Australia and um, I shifted from teaching in schools to teaching more meditation. I was doing doing meditation groups and workshops in Abu Dhabi as a side thing in, in Abu Dhabi. And then when I shifted to Australia with my partner, I shifted to mentoring and doing full-time teaching and workshops here in Australia. Yeah. Wow. It'd be some pretty intense experiences and all that, I imagine. 
yeah, it's a big gloss over, but yeah, that's the general, yeah, the general journey. This uh, one time, I one of the I did a couple retreats. One I went down to on Kangaroo Island off South Australia. There's like a, a Buddha center mm-hmm. where they set you up for solo things. Like a guy, I think his name was Matt. He'll like bring you in food if you raise the flag up on the letterbox <laughs> so you don't speak to him. And yeah. Anyway, um, when I went down, I I got there. I wrote them an email and I said, yeah, actually there happens to be a 10 day spot in like a month. And I was like, great. They said, it's very rare that they come up. You know, a lot of people have been here for two to three years. And I was like, no way. And so I got down there and it turned out like when I, when I got out of it and could talk again, I was asking this guy about Mm -hmm. some of the people that I'd seen walking around. Obviously it was silent or whatever. And Mm -hmm. he said that uh, one I was like, how does it work being there for three years, not like talking? And he said that they would do um, retreat within retreat. So like it was kind of like that ebb and flow. You were saying like kind of normal, obviously silent, sort of Mm -hmm. mindful living. And then every once in a while, they just go hard for like 10 days Mm -hmm. where it's just practice Mm -hmm. sitting all day, like mind-blowing stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the flow that it's been in my own practice as well. And I think if you really want to deepen your practice and you really want to have uh, also a sustained lifelong practice, you kind of go through periods where you're, you know, just kind of going along day to day and then you go deeper. And my teacher calls that a sankalpa or you set an intention. You're going to sit for two weeks. You're going to sit for at least two hours or, you know, maybe it's a weekend. I'm going to sit for at least 12 hours this weekend. And those, that's for people who really are interested in going deeper in their practice and really who are striving for those bigger goals, uh, uh, you know, internal goals. Um, I, I feel like you can still do it. It just, it just takes more time if you don't have that kind of philosophy towards practice. I think the biggest thing is to have consistency over time when mm. it comes to anything, learning anything, and especially meditation. You want to talk about how you see it in sort of the current setting that you you know in business entrepreneurship corporate this kind of thing where you know how it is like there's a lot going on there's quite a chaotic nature to the work and you're trying to keep a bit of order and i'm not sure whether that's the people that you work with but like how do you see the meditation as helping people and sort of tying in with their life, knowing that it obviously takes time, like you've mentioned, to sit there and and do nothing. Like maybe just talk a little bit about how it works. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it, first of all, it appears as if we are doing nothing in meditation. But one of the things that I actually am really interested in sharing is that when we go into meditation, it's not just doing nothing. That is ultimately the goal. Um, but it's also meditation is also kind of an inner space for training certain skills that we can use and apply to our daily life. And what I, the tradition that I come from in, in uh, yoga and spirituality is a householder tradition. So it encourages life to be lived as a normal person, not to be renounced as more traditional paths of yoga have been. And so uh, working with people who are busy, like, uh, you know, athletes, business people, and who are looking to perform better are kind of the people that I'm starting to look more and more into to working with people who are professionals, creatives, and that want to really have a, uh, you know, more stability and connection within. They understand and see the value of their mind 
and their ability for their mind to be strong and calm and uh, aware. And also they understand the value of their connection to themselves because without that connection to yourself, it really doesn't matter how much success you have in your life. You're always going to be feeling like something is missing and you're going to feel like you're, you know, constantly seeking for something else in the world because really there's only a certain part of us, a certain happiness or joy or peace that we can only get from within ourselves. So if we're a business person and we're always setting goals for our business to go bigger, bigger, more money, more, more market share, whatever, and we're neglect neglecting ourselves in that process, it doesn't matter how much success that we, we're going to get. Well, we really won't be able to savor it. We really won't be able to enjoy it because there'll be something missing. And that thing missing is us, our own self. And um, there's such a beauty and um, love and joy and peace within us. It's like what all the spiritual traditions say. And also freedom, right? We're heavily conditioned by our mind. We're heavily conditioned by our culture and our environment. So if we really want to overcome that conditioning and to express ourselves in the most open and free way, and in, in like in the, for example, in like building our character, for most people, their character is heavily conditioned. They don't have the freedom to really develop it in a way that is expressive of who they are because the world and past experiences are conditioning who they are in the present. But through practices like meditation and developing inner skills like concentration and calmness and awareness and developing self-knowledge and discernment, then we can create our own character that's a reflection of our own expression and enjoy our success when it comes to us because we have that the whole spectrum. We have our creativity and we have ourself at the same time. So one thing that I'm interested in that a lot of that resonates with me, one thing you mentioned was the bit where you talk about, you know, people wanting to make more money and wanting to grow, let's say grow a business, for example. Yeah. How do you, it kind of comes to my mind that in, I was talking to a guy the other day and a lot of sort of, from my perspective, a lot of the kind of modern spiritual yoga circles there is this concept of like being, you know, like, like, like just be right, like be mm. content and be sort of mm. at peace with who you are and kind of these things. And you, you sort of touch on that from a different angle, like connecting to yourself. And I see sometimes uh, a byproduct that seems to pop through with that is a passive nature where there's not let's say like from my world, which is a lot of small business growth, mm. there's kind of the edge gets knocked off. Like, and you could look at that as making money could be mm. kind of like the thing. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to have that desire. I don't want to be all about money, but then the flip side of that can be not consistent enough behavior or not enough a aggression really right like not enough mm. forward movement towards the thing that makes the business grow kind of like an organism mm. could you talk about how you see that thing with kind of desire and wanting to build or help people or create a business or whatever it is versus like the feeling that some people might have and it still pops up i talk to people sometimes in sales and marketing i don't want to be pushy i don't want to you know seem to be um selfish or mm -hmm. making too much money or anything like that could you maybe just speak on that a little bit whatever whatever you think 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I think that uh, there's a need to balance and understand this, uh, these kind of two aspects of us as, as human beings, we have this kind of need to create, which is to actualize. And that's what, you know, Maslow and Maslow's hierarchy of needs would show is like the pinnacle of human achievement is to actualize ourselves, which is to individuate, quote unquote, that's also what Jung called it, into the world as a human being. However, we also have this transcendent nature. And that's the nature that goes beyond the world. You can call it spirit or consciousness or uh, emptiness in the Buddhist traditions. So we have this transcendent nature as well that we need to connect to and be rooted in. And that, that's to do with realization, realization of our ever-present nature as something beyond the world, as well as this human aspect that is creative, that wants to express, that wants to enjoy as well. And there's a really beautiful framework given in Vedanta, which is another kind of philosophical school of Hinduism, it's called the Purushartras, which are the four aims of human life, and they're artha, kama, dharma, moksha. So as a human being, we want to attain artha, which is wealth and success and material prosperity. We want kama, which is enjoyment of uh, pleasure. You know, everyone's heard of the Kama Sutra. Well, the word kama means pleasure and enjoyment, so we all seek enjoyment as well. And then dharma is like responsibility, uh, duty to ourselves to take care of our bodies, our environments, our societies, our communities, and then moksha, which is freedom, liberation, right? Freedom from conditioning, liberating ourselves from attachments, and uh, really embodying truth that's transcendent. So we have these four kind of aims, you know, duty, um, uh, wealth and creativity, uh, pleasure seeking and enjoyment, and then freedom. So when we when our life is balanced across these four things, then we feel content, fulfilled, and complete. But if we're focusing, you know, just on creating, for example, through Artha, and we're neglecting, uh, or, or and we're enjoying our life in Kama, but we're neglecting our duties to our family or to ourself, or and we're we're not really working on our freedom from our conditioning, then we're out of balance, right? So we're all really working to balance these kind of four aspects or human aims. And if one is missing, then we are going to feel incomplete or dissatisfied in some way with our life. Mm, I really like that. You would think that in the world, you know, you think that sort of in the business setting, you would see an over obsession with kind of the money side and like the success mm. and that kind of thing. But I don't really see it that much. You know, typically it's more of a fear around that. And then mm. if anything, that fear kind of leading to a bias towards um at least talking more about mm -hmm. the the other side right like so i don't want to push too much because you know i want to focus over here and uh it, you know i think it can be now like a lot of times a, a practice or retraining to build that creative output and be like it's okay to grow and want to grow and be successful because i mean from my perspective small business is typically a force for good right like it's yeah. in the community it's really positive and we can develop like a, a strength behind that desire and it's totally healthy but it's kind of my my own opinion on it but yeah and i totally agree you know we we are as human beings we are naturally creative we we are creating our life with every single choice that we make no matter what even when we choose not to act we are choosing to create a future for ourselves in a certain way so you know, we're, we're really empowered to make an impact on our, our life and create our life as well as impact the lives of other people in a very positive way. 
And I think that especially now, as we see all these troubles in the world, we need people who are compassionate and um, quote unquote, more aware or awakened to, you know, those deeper principles of life to actively create, you know, these yoga people just sitting on their mats. It's, it makes me really frustrated actually, because they preach one thing, but then they do another. They, mm. they say they preach happiness and joy and peace, but only for themselves on their own yoga mat, not for the people who, you know, may be suffering in ways that, that uh, would benefit if they took action in the world or even just expressed themselves, you know, expressed and gave of themselves creatively to the world. I truly feel that we're all endowed with abilities that will allow us to serve the world if we actualize them, if we create with them. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. It's also interesting to think about the, sometimes we talk about like the capacity to grow your business with the mm -hmm. capacity to hold the success, to want the growth, to serve more people, to do the sales and marketing, because it's occurs to you as kind of stressful at the beginning. Like it's a total, it can be a total shock, like if you're totally yeah. honest. And so people build that capacity and kind of makes me think that maybe what what you can do is play with these four areas or sort of the work you're talking about mm. and realize that that capacity isn't just it's it's all of those four things because if you're really out of balance say you're not you're not connected with yourself with your body mm. or your health or whatever yeah ultimately if you push hard on that business side you're gonna get sick or you're gonna break down so your capacity will be limited uh, it kind of is this all sort of this whole foundation from all of them. Exactly. Right. So if we really want to create the best in our business, the parad paradoxically, we need to be connected intimately with ourselves, Right. And, and also, you know, taking care of our responsibilities to our health. And, you know, it's really this balance of everything. If we really want to be successful in life and, um, you know, a lot of people who are uber successful, you know, I'm talking about these like Jeff Bezos guys, they have these routines that they do and they, they try to manage all of these areas. But really the fundamental thing that I see missing across so many successful people is that they just don't see or understand the value of connecting to their own self. They don't understand that actually the space within us, this consciousness, this energy of life is the source of all creativity. It's the source of all of our ability to act in the world. And it doesn't necessarily communicate through words and through language. It, that is an intuitive type of um, uh, communication that happens within ourselves that, that isn't through conscious thought. You know, there are many layers of our being and some of the deepest and most profound and closest ones to us are subconscious or unconscious to us, but we can still connect to them and communicate them and allow them to rise up through us into our work and into our creativity and into our business if we set aside time to connect to ourselves and to also develop the skills we need to control the mind and the body, which are really the obstacles that prevent us from connecting deeper. It's the conditioning, the habits, the tendencies, the inability to sit still, the inability to concentrate and focus, that those things prevent us from really communicating and touching to, to our heart uh, and core of our creativity and who we are. Mm. I've got this theory that you know how social media is quite a difficult, like a lot of people hate it, like it's hard to use. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that. I certainly did. Back yeah, in, definitely. Probably five or six years back, just torture. And I think that one thing that I've realized, come to realize is like over time, when you put something onto social media, let's say you've put five posts there, 
then you visually look at, you go back and you look at them or you, you know what you've put out and you're seeing yourself, your words, your mm. voice, your message. And I think what happens a lot of the time is the subconscious programming seeps out through those messages. And then when we watch it consciously, we can go get frustrated because we go, oh, that doesn't really, that's not really me, you know? And so like, I don't think it's so much about whether it gets, you know, likes or whatever, but when we look back at it, are we at peace with the guy who's there? Like, Hey, like, that's me. Like, um, versus I'm saying something there. That's not truly me. It's kind of like subconscious programming from, mm -hmm. you know, the internet. Cause it's just yeah. like, it's a big mind control thing. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah. And then, and then as you get more in tune with your subconscious and can clean that up, then it gets easier to create content because now when we look back at it consciously, I'm like, you know what? Like, that's pretty much me. That's pretty close to who I am. And that's legit, you know? So the content feels more congruent with who you are subconsciously and consciously. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great insight. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've even experienced it. I was like, Oh, I sound like that. Or that's not what I think about that. Why can't I say that? Or when you're writing something, it's like, why can't I express this thing that I know intuitively or feel or understand? Why can't I, it's be, mm. you know, all these kind of ideas that we have about ourselves, we can't really test them or know if they're true in the real world until we kind of create or do something with ourselves and express ourselves. So it's a test, you know, the world is a test for our inner state. The world is a test for who we are, who we think we are. And that's why, you know, the, I think the householder tradition in spirituality and the active and creative um, aspects of a spiritual path are so important because they give us a reflection on who we actually are, not who we think we are. And the more we engage and the more we try to create or help or serve, the more we're, we get reflected back what it is we truly are, not this mm. perception or idea, the ego that it has of ourselves. Mm. It's like that creating, if you choose to do a business or you choose to create something, what I'm kind of getting from you is it's like, it's like, a, it's like you can take all of the learnings, but then you're thrown into the pit of the fire a little bit and you, you're tempered and you're tested to see like you don't get to bypass anything anymore because mm -hmm. you have to put it to market you have to take the live feedback you have to do the sales whatever it is mm -hmm. so it's all exposed and then you get to really strengthen everything at, at kind of a whole nother level through producing or or doing your business or whatever it is yeah yeah i would even see it almost as a type of spiritual path to me a spiritual path is anything where we're confronting and overcoming conditioning and and the suffering that comes as a result of our conditioning so when we're creating we're really putting ourselves out there to grow and to confront our conditioning and our limitations and say oh look well this world is a mirror for me and they're responding to me in this way so i have to you know it's not that we're looking for their judgment or for their you know, kind of approval. It's just that when we interact with the world, the world is a mirror for ourselves. And when we're creating, it's a way, again, to get feedback and understand ourselves better, which is, again, what I was saying, all about that spiritual path, gaining self-knowledge, overcoming the conditioning and removing suffering. So I definitely see creativity and, and uh, com competition. All of these things are ways of connecting to ourself on a deeper level. So there's two questions I have, and kind of because I want to nerd out on it a bit and okay. get your thoughts. And then maybe we can talk about how you help people specifically in your, in sure. your mentorship. 
So my first question is for business owners who have, they've started a business, they're getting proof of concept, people have bought the offer mm. and they may even have some level of comfort. And so with new creatives and coaches, I always see this, not always, but this can pop up a lot between on the money side, five to 10,000 a month. Mm. And it creates a comfort level because it's like, okay, my basic needs are met. Like I can cover my rent, my food, whatever, mm -hmm. go on a holiday even once in a while. Mm -hmm. And they continue to do marketing. They continue to have the sales process. But it almost appears as though there's like a block that comes in. Yeah. And it's like because the urgency wasn't there and maybe there's not fully the new desire or an ownership of success, or I'm not sure what, like, obviously I've got perspective from the business side, but in your, in your world, like, what do you think is the unlock to go? Okay. Like for them, I, I want to grow this more and I can grow this more. And I, I have huge amount of desire and certainty in my offer and I'm going to keep connecting with people and sort of go to that next level of, I guess they call it success ceilings, right? Like in yeah. a lot of like books and stuff, like you get these success ceilings and relationships and business yeah. and stuff. How do you think about those success ceilings and kind of breaking through into new levels of what you're, what you've never done before and what you're, what's possible for you and your bank account or even a marriage, whatever sort of domain? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And and one where a spiritual person would probably say, well, we should just be content with what you have, right? But I think that in the, the context of what I'm sharing, what you're asking is that we have the ability to really believe in our offer and the people that we serve and truly thinking about that and understanding that the more people that we can serve, the better the world will be if they all do what my offer is doing. And then understanding that the more we push ourselves as well, the more we create, the more we can grow as well. So it's this mutual um, uh, understanding that the more we expand, as long as we're doing it with the proper relationship to under uh, as understanding, I'm trying, I'm expanding to serve others. I'm expanding to grow uh, my business and my offer, not necessarily to make more money. And some people do that, but you know, again, they, that is not going to ultimately, I think for many people create the initiative and the desire to grow in the same way. So it's really believing, I think, in your offer and understanding that you are providing a service to people and that if more people were doing what you offer, the world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, really connecting to yourself and understanding, I have this potential to really understand myself when I push my boundaries and my comfort zones in my work and in my life, whether it's, you know, going on, a, a TV show or uh, an interview, a podcast, building a course, like all these things are helping us to explore our, our potential creatively and also to see and connect to who we are. Because unless we're always pushing, unless we're always growing and expanding, we're, we're putting a limit on both the way that we can understand ourselves and the way that we can create and help and serve the world at the same time. Mm, okay. Now, the other end of the spectrum people who have seen a lot of success so the business is much bigger and there can be these two feelings that pop up one is a sense of burden so mm -hmm. it's like i think it's a natural one which is kind of the weight of the world and the weight of all the people i'm responsible for my staff yeah the other is this sense of 
burden is a feeling like on your shoulders, right? But the, the, I guess the like trajectory of that is under that weight, like the whole thing could collapse. The whole thing could disappear. The whole thing isn't real. The whole thing could, you know, it, it might not have longevity. It might just, I might wake up and it might be gone. And yeah. obviously it's, you know, logically doesn't make any sense when you look at the track records of the businesses, mm -hmm. but it can be a mind state that comes up quite a lot. I hear it often. And, yeah. um, what do you, yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, for me, it really comes back to, for those people who've experienced a lot of success, it comes back to, I guess, ultimately seeing the, the, uh, the parts that you can, can control and the parts that you can't control and understanding that your success was much greater than just yourself. I mean, of course you had a big part to do in it, but, um, you know, I guess it's coming back to a sort of, um, understanding that everything is interconnected mm -hmm. and that also we need to have non-attachment towards the things that we have done and that we have created. And if they come, that's great. And if they go, you know, that's just the natural flow of life. As long as we're exerting and putting forth our best effort, you know, it's, it's it's a it's a way to unburden ourselves from that feeling of you know the weight right because we're taking responsibility for something that we really honestly don't control completely there's so many variables that we can't control in life and as a business leader as a competitor we should always uh, you know the successes come from always trying to control and do our best but there are so many factors which are beyond our control and ultimately you know as we age and as we um pass into different stages of life, we'll, we'll have to give up or pass that business on to someone eventually anyway. So the giving up the, of the business will happen at some point or another. And obviously we would want it to happen under conditions that are positive and that would allow it to continue moving and growing and evolving. And, um, but it's not always within our control. There could be something that happens in, to the world. There could be an economic collapse. There could be a war, you know, like you imagine if you're a business person in Russia or Ukraine right now, like what would it, what a that what a challenge that would be right that's not in, in their control and and so there's so many things that um happen that i guess basically embody that principle of uh, it's it's acquiring wisdom as you know you you have to be the more not attached you are about yourself and your your success the more you unburden yourself and um also you know, understanding that interconnectedness, like these two kind of forms of wisdom of like interconnectedness and unity of everything, and also non-attachment towards everything. Having like this wisdom about your life will help kind of unburden yourself. Mm. One, one concept that I heard once that I really liked about this was seeing, seeing it all, giving yourself permission to see it all as art. Like yeah. that the, the artist isn't just with the canvas and the paints, but it's in business. And so if it's art, it's like, it's like, you're, yes, you're playing a critical role there, but you're really creating art with your writing, with the market, with offers, with events that you run. And it's this big sort of painting that you're doing over time with your business. And then yeah. the financial success can be a part of it, but it's like, even if that wasn't there today, you're still going to get up and do your art because it's what you love to do. And it's yes. how you connect with people. Um, and it kind of has that pay it forward feeling to it, which takes some of the burden off. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the more you can embody those kind of virtues or ideals as you're getting more successful, that's when it really becomes more and more important for you to embody those higher ideals and to gain wisdom if you want to continue uh progressing you know that's when mindset becomes so so important i mean it's always important especially in the beginning but i think it's uh also just as crucially important in a different way as you're successful mm. yeah it's one of those tricky things isn't it like mindset is everything like the mind's the biggest asset but if you only i guess if you only like listen to it on podcasts and stuff and it's not applied through the business, then maybe the mindset itself doesn't actually change, but it can be, a, it can be its own trap. The other side too, right? It's mm -hmm. like it kind of needs to be practically applied. And then, then it's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for example, like, you know, non-attachment is a concept, a mental concept that we can have, but it's something that we can actually practice in our life as well. Same thing with, you know, any of these kind of virtues. So how do you work with, let's say a business owner, for example, if I was going to go and get, do some, some meditation work with you, mental training mindset, mm. uh, develop a practice. And let's say I've done some little bit before here and there, that kind of thing. What does that look like? And how do you, how do you help people? And yeah, what do, what, what can they expect? Yeah. So for mentoring, I work with people um, who want to establish uh, an inner practice and also to create and express themselves more fully in their life to get more joy and success from their life. And I do that by giving them by first connecting them within, because that's usually the point where there is the biggest missing piece and also the mind as well. The mind um, is the thing that causes uh, us to enjoy and have success in life or to suffer and to uh, experience depression. And so the more we can train the mind, the more we're able to uh, be able to be successful in whatever we uh, experience or uh, act or create. And so a meditation practice is really like going to the gym for me, going to the gym within yourself into the inner space and training your mind. We're and giving people skills to, to cultivate like calmness through breath work and pranayama, concentration through different types of practices and awareness as well. So there's these really important uh, qualities, mental qualities and strengths that we can develop that will allow us to perform better in our life and to have more happiness and joy within ourselves at the same time. So I give people a practice where that they, they can develop these skills along with creating a connection to themselves, acquiring wisdom and, and knowledge that will allow them to, to, to be happy and have success in their life based off the traditions that I come from, because that spiritual knowledge is timeless and extremely empowering. And so I'll meet with people um, usually weekly to begin with for about the first month to establish their practice. And then bi-weekly as they get more uh, um, uh, accustomed to the things I give them. And then, it, and then it builds, right. It starts with basic practices, uh, for basic meditation things. And then it builds into more work with energy and the breath and, uh, more subtle practices, uh, and more, more powerful yogic practices that come from the traditions that I come from. Mm. There's two things I liked in there. One was the you mentioned like the, the, the timeless practices. There's a saying that I like, which is there's old and gold. So when you see something that's really good, that's 
stood the test of time. Usually there's a lineage there and, you know, it's easy to go, oh, well, there's a, there's a new app for it or there's the new AI or there's this new thing, but it's like, well, if it's really good, like typically it's been there for a long time and you can go back and back and back and see iterations. So just so I'm clear, you, you know, how some people be like, well, it's all meditation. You know, I'm at my desk right now. I'm, I'm mm. in standing and I'm in awareness and, but yeah, you like, I get that. Right. But you, so what you're saying is you also believe that there's a place for, let's say a seated, I'm going to say seated, but like a static formal get on the mat practice each day or, or with some yeah. sort of repetitive training nature that you kind of do formally. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that would be equivalent to someone saying, well, I walk to work every day. So I'm really training my legs a lot. Well, it's like, okay, yeah, you're getting at some benefit from going to you know work walking, but if you really want to strengthen your legs or become a better runner, you need to specifically practice that thing. So mm -hmm. that that's what our, our meditation practice is. It's a, an inner space to cultivate important skills and also to begin doing battle with our greatest adversary, our ego, right? To really jump into the ring or the octagon with ourselves within and say, what am I, you know, observe the tendencies of the ego, observe the mind, observe the, the, the subconscious patterns of thinking and really begin to scrutinize it. Cause the ego really is kind of like a child that's been out of control. It's there's just been no awareness or attention given to it. But as soon as you bring your attention to it, it automatically begins to change. And usually after about two months or so, people will say, you know, I just don't feel like eating chocolate as much anymore. I don't feel like, you know, binging on Netflix because the mind naturally changes when you bring your attention and your awareness to it. And some things you will need to work on and some are more deeply kind of ingrained patterns and conditionings that you'll need to overcome. But just in virtue of observing your mind, tendencies will change. Uh, your clarity will get better. Your ability to concentrate will improve and your effectiveness and all the tasks that you do will also improve as well. And you, sometimes you lighten up too, right? <laughs> yeah. I think that's sort of the funny things when we often talk about the business stuff together is we'll start talking about the ego and it'll turn into a, like a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it's cool because you can, when you drill into it a little bit and you're not taking it personally, you can see the humor and how, how like whether it's marketing or selling or these things that we get so hung up on in business pricing whatever it is you know outreach to run an event or something yeah. like that it's like um you know you get to you get to lighten up you get to see business in a way that i think for me i'm at my best when i'm when i'm lighting up and usually mm. that comes off the back of a little bit of what you're talking about watching slowing down yeah. observing whereas when i'm in just like motor drive mode i can get a lot done it's more mechanistic kind of output but typically i'm not at my full best like the output right. might be high but it's a little bit strained there's a little bit of i can go back and read it and it's a little bit uh it's like a little bit tense i don't have as much humor that kind of stuff do you notice that in your in your journey like with business have you found like bringing the two together that it's changed it at all, or it's a more enjoyable experience than, than perhaps you see with other people or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the most harsh and unfun critic is our inner critic and that is what ruins everything, right? Because it's the inner critic that prevents us from having fun and being playful and saying, this is how it should be done. And this is how it, 
it, it should look. And when we get rid of the inner critic, it allows us to be playful and, you know, like a kid again, right? Because when we were younger and youthful, we didn't have that conditioned voice in our head. So when we went to go play, we played, we had fun. When we went to go write a paper or, you know, draw a picture, we were like, oh, this is good. Here you go, miss. What do you think? So mm. there wasn't that same conditioning and inner critic that's been ingrained into our mind. So through meditation, through purification of our intelligence and our, our subconscious mind, we can remove the inner critic. We can also overcome, you know, the traumatic experiences that perhaps weren't addressed properly that are causing us to have fear and, uh, you know, not being free and playful in certain situations. So there's really, yeah, I totally agree with that. You can become so free and playful and joyful through this work um, by removing that conditioning and overcoming the and processing the traumatic experiences that bring fear or uncertainty or doubt into situations where we should be playing and having fun and enjoying. Mm. Some of the most successful people I've met in business, I've spoken to them about this, like, you know, when they get started, when you get started, how did you, you know, deal with doubters? And how did you deal with people who, you know, would be leave uh, troll comments on Facebook posts? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, they're just like, it's not for them. I don't care. Like there's a lightness to it. It's like, it's okay if like eight out of 10 people don't like it. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? Because my job is to do my art, to focus on these people that I am helping. And it creates a lightness in them. I see not all the time, but quite often. And I always find it quite magnetic as well because they're not, out there attacking they're not out there's not a heavy sort of energy of, of righteousness or of self-importance or my way is the only way or whatever mm. so you can you can you can be around them and it's really cool and you can see how it's magnetic to their customers you can see how it fuels progress because when people when it rubs someone the wrong way who's not aligned it's like oh well it's not a make or break deal that impacts their mission necessarily yeah, exactly. You know, having, you know, a free open mind through non-attachment, through a non, you know, avoiding really harsh personal criticism of yourself, of, um, you know, having an openness to different ideas and different people and not, and most of all, not taking things personally, not feeling mm -hmm. defensive to what someone says and thinks about you that having this kind of state of being it is very charismatic and you know magnanimity is the word right people are they're attracted to a person who's just open and free and giving and um that's that's a powerful quality to have and it's you know a type of charisma that we can all cultivate through just these these kind of principles that um have been you know they're timeless they've been passed down for for thousands of years yeah yeah well man i love what you're doing i think it's really powerful i hope people really go i mean i'd go back and listen to it again we always say it quite often but it can come off it can come off flippant or offhanded which is your mind is your greatest asset like your yeah. your entire thing your entire business is your mind like you can spend all this time scheduling your day and buying the right computer and all these things but then if your mind closes up and you lose a week of of business where you you know what i mean you lose yeah, creative yeah. ideas you lose connection you lose it's like all of the other stuff can become a distraction to like the thing that can really generate like let's face it money growth for your business if that's you know what you're here for in this 
as well as fulfillment. But if that yeah. business growth is something that you want, mm -hmm. like it has to be, it will come back to the mind at some point. Yeah. And again, the whole point is the better we take care of it, the more we live up to those higher qualities of the mind and, and our uh, connect to ourselves, the more effective we'll be in our work and our business. And, you know, in the world today, it's all about dog eat dog and, you know, do this and that and a lot of especially more competitive corporate settings. But really, to be truly successful, meaningfully in life, you know, it, it takes training our mind and living and embodying a good life. Yeah, I love it. So just to wrap that up, you do eight session packs, 12 session packs, it's ongoing. How do you mentor people? Yeah, so I, the minimum I do are four session packs okay. um, to basically just establish a, a practice, a very basic meditation practice. But if a person so that would give someone like a month of consistent work with you, that would be quite that would be a decent that would be a decent exposure, like to get that first sort of thing going, right? Yeah, it would be enough to get them to give them a practice, a meditation practice, basically to just kind of begin working with their mind a little bit and training skills like calmness and awareness and concentration. But if you really want to go deeper, that's where I offer. You know, I really suggest the eight session pack as a way to kind of um, really get into the practice as well as the um, discipline and the, uh, you know, kind of the knowledge that comes from building an internal practice and applying the spiritual and yogic principles to your life. And then if you're really committed, the 12 session pack is, is great because it just means that we're going to have ongoing work together and that you're also really committed to your own personal growth and your own creative growth as well. And just so we're clear, this is not an app. This is not a, you know, like a, a challenge or a checklist or anything. This is like you're developing something that's unique for you. So you have your own, it's like a lifelong, you're helping people create a lifelong practice. Exactly. It's a lifelong practices that, that, that they learn and the things that they develop will be with them um, and serve them for the rest of their life. And we will establish it together. And, you know, the more that it's like working with you, John, I, the more I work with you, the better I get at business. And I, the more I understand about my own creative potential through the work that I do. So it's the same thing with mm. the type of work that I do. And again, being in contact with someone, like I said, in the very beginning of the, the show, being in contact with a person who's knowledgeable about these things is really a huge accelerator for progress and, and development and really learning. Yeah, I would agree. I, when I, I started doing a meditation practice about 2010, something like that. And I was, my mom gave me Jack Cornfield CD and mm -hmm. I, I'd lie down on the ground, listen to it when I was doing triathlon. And it was really helpful. I have to say, like I, it got me into a daily sitting practice mm -hmm. and but I didn't know that you could, in, all the way till 2015, I went and learned from some women in Melbourne and did this thing. But until that point, I didn't know that you could do what you were talking about. So I was like, just reading books and, mm -hmm. and sitting there and thinking about what they said in the book. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really, it was really rocky, right? Like it was, mm -hmm. It definitely was helpful, but it was not, it would have been really nice to just be like, Hey, like, this is what's coming up mm -hmm. because that's what happens, right? Like this, I don't want to continue, or this is what's coming up or I'm distracted or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then someone to be able to say, okay, cool. Like, and, and kind of guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, confronting that resistance and that conditioning, something that you do in your own groups as well. You have, um, you know, you walk people through it, you give them challenges, you give them goals. 
And through that, they're able to overcome resistance and conditioning. And so it's kind of the same thing for me, but the people that I work with, we discuss the areas where there's resistance or conditioning or blockages coming up. We, we, we talk about how we can work through them, strategies to practically confront them um, and overcome them, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, through a yogic technique or taking action or even surrendering, you know, there's different, all these different tools and tactics that we can apply. Cool. All right. Well, where can people find you? I'll put the notes into the bottom of the, below the podcast episode, but where's cool. the best spot? Uh, you can find me on Instagram um, at, at the Supreme Yoga and on also on my website, uh, www.thesupremeyoga.com. Cool. And I know you've got some workshops coming up. This won't be published for another week or so, but is there anything you want people to know about? Yeah, well, um, I have a workshop coming up this week in Canberra, but the one that would be relevant to listeners is coming up in Oladola on February 4th at a place called The Garage with a guy named Nick Evans. And we're going to be doing um, a workshop there called Awaken Your X Factor, which again is all about training the mind and connecting to the, the core of who we are as a way to empower whatever creative or um, life goals that we have. Very cool. Anything else you want to add? Uh, thank you for the opportunity, John. I really appreciate it. It's been great to, to chat with you. All right, man. Thanks for sharing everything. And uh, we'll have to get you on another time soon. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Take care, mate. I'll see you soon.